Trigger warning. This episode is going to feature elements of true crime where I speak frankly about the murder of Chef Dan Brophy or Daniel Brophy. This podcast episode will reference the YouTube channel Dreading and does have my personal take on what is going on. Again, this podcast is not true crime related. It is not centered on social justice. Yet I believe it is responsible of me as a writer in the world, especially an indie writer, especially a black indie author to weigh in on this as well. Viewer discretion or listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Writer's Block. This space is for aspiring writers, indie and published authors who desire tips, tricks and tools to foster confidence in your ability to write. This space is also for voice actors, editors and literary agents. All those people whom are writing adjacent. Let this space be a haven, a resource, and a reminder you can write all you see and see all you write. Grab your pens. We're about to circle the block. I'll be honest with you, family. I am a true crime fan. In a former life, I actually wanted to be an FBI profiler. Yes, the one who is anti-capitalism, who is completely for prison abolishment, does have a penchant for dark, dark, the dark and macabre, as it were, sometimes. I mean, I do like Poe, so there's, there's that. Yet, I wanted to be a profiler because I find human behavior fascinating, which is probably one of the reasons why writing fits into the most um, demanding of my loves currently. And yet when I actually found uh, the uh, rabbit hole that can be true crime on YouTube, I latched onto it because again, I find human behavior completely fascinating. And this case first came across my desk through the YouTube channel, That Chapter. I completely uh, stand behind and encourage anyone to listen to the gift that is Mike on That Chapter. So I came across this particular case because I was a fan of That Chapter. Uh, He used, Mike used to put stories out on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So during my midday, trying to get through, you know, the rest of my workday, I would have, you know, true crime on in the background because that's what all the normal girls do. But in that, in that, I actually came across the case of Nancy Brophy. Now, those of you who may be unaware, she is this older white woman. And you all know on this side of the internet, I don't center white women at all. This white woman who was an indie author, was married to this chef, to this chef. And from all accounts, uh, Chef Brophy was amazing. He was caring to all his students. He, you know, he would put them on. He would, um, he would take time to make sure they understood, they understood what they were doing. He was the type of instructor everybody would want. And Nancy was an indie author, no shade in that. Most of us have, most of us 
And I venture to say most of you listening to this particular podcast are indie authors. Y'all know how hard, you know, the, the, the hustle to write these stories and, and uh, get these books sold is. We all, we all know that. There's a camaraderie in that, right? And yet uh, she was convicted of murder, I want to say earlier this year, for killing her husband, Dan. And killing him in one of the one of the uh, kitchens at, uh, I believe it was or, uh, Oregon Culinary Institute or the Oregon Culinary Institute. Again, this case is all over, all over the internet. And the thing that drew me to this, because I mean, again, not just because I like true crime, not just because I'm a fan of Mike and his broke. <laughs> I'm a fan of Mike and his broke. But what drew me is the complete sensationalism around it. And that doesn't, that, and I am not making light of the fact that this, uh, this man is, is dead. You know, he had a son, he had a mother, he had family. He clearly had students that adored him. And, you know, those kind of people are valuable to have in the world. The thing that took me and continues to take me about this case is the fact that she did it. It's the fact that she did it. In watching the YouTube channels, uh, that chapter, uh, Stephanie Harlow, which I, I also recommend, I like Stephanie Harlow, and also Dreading that I've also uh, come to really like. I don't know the young man who, um, who is over Dreading, but please follow, please follow all those um, particular, particular YouTube channels. I'll list them in the show notes. What is so crazy to me is that this happened. Now, those of us who are writers, who are indie authors, especially those of us who write uh, the darker fare, as it were, right? Sometimes your search history looks, looks sketchy, right? It, it, looks, it looks sketchy. <clears throat> There's, um, there may be, you know, serial killer folders. There may be, you know, this is how you know, somewhat how something doesn't show up on an autopsy. I mean, all it, it is, it is very interesting as an indie author to have your search history looked at because it could be anything there because the invisible people in your head tell you to do bad things. <laughs> they tell, they tell you that, you know, this is, this is what's, this is what's going on. This is, you know, this is how you can, this is how you can best do it. And when, uh, when something, when something happens, your best bet is to try to chase, is to try to chase the idea. You all know on this side, on this side of the internet, I am a fan of flash fiction. I'm, I'm a fan of give something, give something two or give something two or three, um, give something two or three pages and store it, store it away and see where it goes. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. But when I, when I, again, watching that chapter, watching Stephanie Harlow and what, and watching dreading, which is, it's weird because Mike actually, Mike through that chapter kind of gave the overview before she actually went to trial. And then Stephanie, as she always does, gives very in depth. And that was right before the trial started. And then dreading actually gave us, um, her cross-examination. I find it very interesting that the fame that she wanted is now infamy. 
this woman who had a completely supportive husband who was, you know, he was a valued member of his community. You know, he was a great dad for all, for all intents and purposes. He was a really good dude. And rather than, you know, just bask in that, one of the websites that she wrote for her friend for said, you know, be careful what you, what you wish for, you know, and I've been in this position as a woman where you're with someone and you want more from life and you're not quite satisfied yet. And the person you're with is just totally settled. Like, okay, this is what it is. I'm fine. I'm happy with that. That's not cause to murder him. That that just means you need a divorce. You need divorce and have, um, you need to re- you need to reevaluate your own set of issues and circumstances. But for those of you who may not be aware, she says she saw a story that in the news, a real story where this, where a man, you know, killed his family and, but he used a ghost gun. Now I, I don't want to get flagged <laughs> or reported, but I invite you to search out what a ghost gun is from my research. And looking at these particular uh, three three YouTube channels, a ghost gun is a gu- is a gun that has no serial number and it can't be traced. And you and you can exchange parts to make it look like it's never been fired. So she can remember everything else in her life except two days in March where Dan Dan her husband was killed. This woman is supposed to be a writer. And I rem- I'm reminded of Stephen King's Desperation. I believe that's the novel that has the uh, police officer in it or is centered around police officers where he actually had to um, go on ride-alongs. And he actually, you know, con- he, but he being Stephen King contacted the police saying, hey, you know, I'm thinking about writing this book. Can I, you know, ride with y'all and kind of get, you know, kind of get a feel for it. I just need to get, I need to, use, I need to do some research. But that's Stephen King. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's Steve, Stephen King can do things like that for the rest of us who are trying, who are, whom are trying to um, get books sold, get book, get stories finished. We may not be able to do that. Right. We may just have law and order. We may just have Google or we may have our friends who may be a, may be in law enforcement or around law enforcement. But this but the thing that's taken me family. Is the fact that. Her imagination, quote unquote, was so elaborate that you could take this ghost gun from an actual news story and flip it or twist it in her in her words to see how your protag could use it in a story. Okay, cool. I don't write romantics. I don't write you know mystery uh, romance fiction. I don't. I, that's not my jam. So, how, however, she thought of doing that. A I guess go for, go forward, ma'am. But the thing that the thing is my fellow, my fellow writers, linguistic acrobats, and those who seek to sue the impossible, the impossibly demanding invisible people in your head. The fact that she used this ghost gun to murder her husband for life insurance so she could retire in luxury is astonishing to me. It's astonishing to me because some of us pray for supportive, you know, spouses and family members who will, you know, be there with us, who will, you know, listen to us spout off, spout off our heads, who will, 
be encouraging of us, you know, come to the book signings that we, that we may have at, you know, a library who may, you know, follow the blogs that we, that we may create, you know, have books that, you know, help us sell books. We pray for that kind of support. The fact that she had it and she killed him anyway. It's that's, that's something sinister. That's something truly sinister. Hey, you guys, I'm Chelsea Lockhart, an author of Black Girl Fantasies and the founder of The Melanin Library, an online database of books written exclusively by Black authors. The Melanin Library was created to make finding books by Black authors a simpler experience and to create a space on the internet where Black authors are showcased and celebrated without exception. And I'm here to share one such author in their book with you right now. We Deserve Monuments by Jazz Hammonds. This book is a young adult romance with a bit of mystery. It's about a young woman named Avery who was looking for answers to the secrets that tore her family in two. Uprooted from D.C. to Georgia to live with her terminally ill grandmother, she's faced with more closed doors than answers. But she finds friendship and love in Simone Cole, the captivating girl next door. Along with Jade Oliver, the daughter of a woman whose murder remains unsolved, the three girls grow closer and the sharp-edged opinions of their small southern town begin to hint at something insidious. Now, Avery must decide what's more important, knowing the truth or keeping the peace. This book releases on November 29th, and you can read the full description of the book on melaninlibrary.com. And until next time, may your books be full of melanin. I guess I shouldn't be surprised, huh? For those of you who follow me on uh, TikTok, know that I go by, by, y'all know that I go by the moniker, uh, what Jay said. And as of this past November, 2022, the traditional woman series is now four books in, well, three paperback books, one ebook version of this series that I, I said I would dedicate five paperback books to. And I have heard some outrageous stuff, right? I have heard some things that are hilarious, some things that are horrifying, and some things that are truly to the point of, oh, y'all just gonna have to die with this. You know, it, 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 human behavior, again, is fascinating. And the thing that has me obsessively watching or re-watching and had me rewatching this particular cross-examination with this woman, especially as it relates to um, her, her husband and her vehement denial of having anything to do with this, is the fact that one, clearly her imagination is not as good as she thinks it is. You know what I'm saying? It's just not as good as she thinks it is because this in itself is a book and Stephen King wrote a similar story with secret window. Basically the writer has a complete psychotic break. If you see, if you seen, if you seen the movie, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, man. You know, uh, Stephen King flirts with his sanity all the time I, and you can't, and you can't tell me different. Uh, some of the stuff that he come that he comes up with, I must agree with my mother about that. You know, this a sane a sane mind would not come up with this. But at the same time, I am part of that lesion, as it were, that that guild, as I like to call writers, 
We are part of that guild that literally taps into an unseen realm and makes what is impossible possible. Or we, we construct people to, to either meet, marry, kill, or, or, um, or in completely tear their life up at, at our own whim. I'm fo- I'm fond of saying that writing is a, a is an acceptable form of therapy and psychopathy. It is. It is. You if you write, you understand. Yet the thing that takes me about this case is she did this for all that you could do. You did this. N- not sit down and think about how you could make the book better or your writing better, not take a workshop, not take a class, not, you know, uh, write in, write in a group. You decide to kill your husband. And because you think that you have police protocol on lock, <laughs> because you think you have police protocol on lock that you think you can get away with this. I think one of the reasons that that I sat and watched this play out is is it is one of those things that as a writer, you have to be you have to be aware of as far as, you know, not letting life imitate art. I'm fond of saying that, you know, um, if if and when I break up with people, they just become villains in a story that I then get to kill over and over and over again. You know, so there's ways to deal with that. There are ways to, there are ways to write a story that doesn't, that does not and will not involve the harming of another person. I think one of the things that also drives me to be dispassionate about this particular story and which this may be, become a thing depending on how I feel, you know, hashtag writer crimes 2023. We'll see what happens with that. Yet at the yet at the same time, she's now infamous, right? The fame that she wanted, she now has. She now has. This older white woman, who has had and presumably may have had every opportunity to get her work seen, did this. She did this. <laughs> it, is, it is wild to me. Because looking on the face of this, this is a book. So rather than you just falling down rabbit holes like most writers do, as it relates to their own uh, imagination, uh, curiosity, free writing, you decide to murder him. Because the sympathy, the money, and the fallout. Like, ma'am, what? And I think that I rewatched the cross-examination that Dredding did. Because, again, he did the, uh, well, that channel did cross-examination with uh, her, the defense team and then the prosecution. And every time the prosecution asked her a question that like broke her delusion, she got more and more mad. Like I personally am in the process now of finalizing 
a second divorce. If someone were to tell me that, you know, Jen, your husband, your husband died and they would tell me, you know, either, either of their names, I would just show up at the funeral and make sure that they were dead. You know, pray for them. I'm trying to be a better person. Yet there are people in my life that were, you know, special to me that if I were to find out that they were dead, I would not be as composed on the stand. Now there's, there's one thing for being, for being stoic and trying to hold, trying to hold yourself together. There, that's one thing. It's a completely different thing to have that type of emotional bankruptness to be that apathetic. Like she was with this man 25 years. I, you know, I, I haven't delved uh, close enough into why it is or how it is. Uh, she started writing the marvelous Stephanie, Stephanie Harlow did a brief synopsis on the, on the books that she, the type of books that she wrote, that she wrote again, they're like on the, they're on the level of Harlequin and there is no shade to Harlequin. I'm just happy that Harlequin now is is more open to black writers and black writers submitting their stories to Harlequin. Cause I, I grew up in an era where, you know, everybody that was on a Harlequin cover was, was white. Every, everybody was white. Every, everybody was white and it was on, and it was only smut. You know, my, my, uh, I remember, I remember, remember my aunt having Harlequin books and they literally were just like the, I don't know if some of y'all remember, but they were like red, they were like red pages and they were, they were either red pages or tinted, they were either tinted in red, blue or red, blue or yellow, but they were more often than not tinted in red. I'm just glad that representation has, is, is coming, is coming and is now here for uh, Harlequin and other, uh, and other presses like that. I'm glad about that. I'm glad that self-publishing exists so more black writers can write their stories, man. The thing that trips me out is, continually is, she really did this. And the, the reports say that, you know, he was shot in the back and then, you know, you, know, you turn around cause like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And then she shot him again. Now she can remember like people being bringing clothes to the house. She can remember the intricacies of life insurance. She can remember all this other. She can remember she can remember the days by which she and Dan were together. I think she says like 24, 24, 24 years, 10 months, and like two days. She can remember that, but you can't remember where you were two days when your husband was murdered. This person who supported you, loved you. And child, he cooked, he cooked for her every night. Do you know how, do you know how I would love that as a writer and a work in a working single mom, <laughs> you know, with a day job and kids and responsibilities. And sometimes, you know, you get in the groove and then like, dad, I got to stop cause I got to go feed kids. I would love that. And yet she did this. As of this recording, Nancy Brophy is in prison. As of this recording, OCI, I believe, is now closed. There are so many students that look to Chef Brophy for advice, for guidance and support. So those 
students and, and staff, I send my prayers and positive thoughts and well wishes for. Dan sounds like, well, Chef Brophy sounds like an incredible human being. And the world is a little dimmer of a place without him. The one thing that I need to also end this particular bonus show with is, beloveds, there's a way to do everything that does not involve hurting people who genuinely support you. There is a way to make, make anything happen. I think one of the other things that influenced me to do this particular bonus show, especially before the end of the year, because again, as of this pod, as of this podcast, uh, the new year is set to begin in two days. The one thing that is essential for you to know is one, your stories matter. You know, people keep saying, well, you know, her books were poorly selling. That may, that may be so that may be so. But she had every right to write them. Now, with that said, I'm going to say this. She was selfish. She was mean and she was callous. If she had no intention on being good to this man, she should have just left them alone. But again, the entire the entirety of the situation is a novel. Had she had the dexterity of talent, she could have wrapped every, this whole thing in a book. She put herself and her husband into all this debt and the only way she could see her, a way out and to do what she wanted to do was to kill her husband. That's, that's, that's a different level of bold, man. That's a different level of viciousness, of cal- of just callousness. I, I mean, if I'm being honest, I actually watched the, the uh, prosecution video from dreading last night. Because I, in, in my mind, it, I'm, I know it makes sense, but it doesn't make any sense. The fact that you are able to do that to someone so you can write full time. Wow. Just wow. Nothing. But again, I, maybe this is, I th- I'll throw this in for free. Perhaps this is one, perhaps this is the hubris of whiteness. Perhaps this is part of the hubris of whiteness that you believe everything is that you believe everything is for you. Nothing can have, nothing is off limits to you. Everything is yours. You can take what you want, erase what you don't want and obliterate those you think are not worthy. She is getting just what she deserves. She is an old woman now. I believe she's in her in her late 60s, early 70s. And rather than her just work on her craft and do better, take her rejection letters on the chin like we all do. That you fight with KDP Publishing like most of us still do and Canva. 
that you work your craft, that you focus on that and become better. The only way she, she thought, she thought and deemed appropriate to write full time was to murder her husband, take the life insurance money and just gallivant off in the distance. Wow. I don't know if this is a cautionary tale or a watch your back because the, because sh- uh, clearly uh, pencils in that house weren't the only thing that was sharp. The time has come to leave you to your thoughts and words. The hope is that what was shared in this space was encouraging, empowering, and a catalyst to write. Special thanks to Valor Music LLC for all audio production and mixing. All business inquiries and advertising inquiries can be sent to circlethewritersblock at gmail.com. If you feel so inclined to support the work of this podcast to continue to fight erasure of black and minority writers, consider supporting through Cash App at dollar sign J-B-H-W-R-I-T-E-S, that's J-B-H Writes, or PayPal at S-G-L-L-C dot one zero three eight at yahoo.com. We will see you next time when we circle the blog.